This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Hey, Scuttlebutt Nation, thanks for checking this episode out. So this week, I had the privilege of doing a Twitter Spaces, and the discussion was hot. We had some followers join us and contribute to the dialogue. I enjoyed it so much that I think you'll enjoy it too. So here's what I did. I grabbed the audio from Twitter, I'm still not calling it X, and dropped it into the podcast feed, which you'll hear in a minute. We had a wonderful, brisk conversation on some nerd news, and it was glorious. So without further ado, we now join the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast, already in progress. Check it out. That was some goofy music. Thank you, Twitter, for that. What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining us here on Twitter Spaces. Yeah, I I ain't calling it X. X Spaces. Yeah. Yo, mama. Anyways, lunch with Scarif. It is about 12 o'clock in the central region of the U.S. I hope it's uh, sunny where you are because it's always sunny on Scarif. We're going to talk about some nerd things with some nerds. Uh, we have Danny from Comics and Cosmetics. Thank you, patron, for joining me on this Twitter Spaces. How's it going? It's going. I'm uh, working on our our Red 5 guide as we speak. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for the work you do, and welcome back to the Red 5 Network. DJ is in the house. DJ, my friend, Rebel Rock Radio, and I can never pronounce that other one, that uh, that other podcast. Exegesis. How's it going, brother? Oh, it's going well. Just uh, working on some work stuff, listening to some Twitter spaces, ready to talk some uh, some cool stuff. Yeah, some nerd stuff. And we got Ray Gunn in the house. We got, uh, who else we got there? We got Andrew. Thank you very much, Andrew. And uh, why am I not following Andrew? Let's hit the follow back. Thank you for joining us. So there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, some nerds have already been um, on the Twitterverse, uh, hashtagging and... Xing and tweeting and twatting all over the place this morning. Um, Snow White, the actress, has been spotted on social media um, crying about her comments regarding Snow White and the original uh, film, the original Disney property. And uh, she's claiming that all the Internet is taking her words out of context. That never happens. But... um, Raygun and I were having a little bit of a back and forth regarding this issue and uh, how um, it's interesting how actors usually open their mouths and put their foots in it. And I wanted to get everybody's take on that. Are you guys familiar with uh, the comments made by Rachel? What's her name? I think that's her name. And um, yeah, it, it, it almost seems like, uh, you know, big companies should probably have some sort of marketing plan when it comes to actors going out and, and promoting their films, because first of all, um, what, uh, what the actress said probably in, in any stretch of the imagination probably does not, or will not help the film. Um, 
for for many reasons, I, I, I believe. But I uh, wanted to get your guys' takes on it and uh, see what you guys think. Um, and I would love, I don't know if Ray's available to, uh, to speak. I will send him an invite and whoever else wants to come and join the chat. Um, thoughts, Danny, DJ. Uh, that uh, Rachel Ziegler, right? Didn't she say that Snow White was creepy and, or the, the actual story was creepy, that the prince was creepy and they're not doing any of that? But why? Right. And, it, it's a right. classic fairy tale. <laughs> it's not real first of all it's a classic fairy tale and if you're not going to do the classic fairy tale then you might as well call it something else and just say it was inspired by the you know what i mean yeah like if you're going to change literally everything about it it's not the classic fairy tale anymore right I would yeah, uh, I, to agree. I, I agree a hundred percent. Not every animated classic needs to get a live action remake. Uh, we've had uh, countless other Snow White stories. Um, not that long ago, they had one with um, Kristen Stewart. Uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, they could do their own story, but why? Why reinvent the wheel when you already have this timeless classic just to throw some more money at it? I, I don't know. And to your other point about um, comments being made and how companies you know, wish that uh, they could put a stop to that, well, I mean, that's the technology that we've gotten now with social media. Uh, it's hard to really get a handle on that and – now, Star Wars has done uh, a fairly decent job uh, with that up until uh, things are released, but it's hard to keep up with what uh, everyone says nowadays. Uh, back in the day, it was r really easy. You know, it's a, you spoke to a paper, or you uh, you're out on your press junket, uh, and uh, everything that was said could be controlled and uh, and managed a lot more easier easier than it is now. Sure, and first of all. I think junket is a funny word. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually had typed that in one of my Twitter, our Twitter response, my Twitter response to you. And I was like, eh, I erased it. I was like, I don't know. Junket's weird. That's funny. That's I'm funny. Old. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, to your point, DJ, I think that you can see, it's interesting. They have that Snow White and the Huntsman movie. And I don't remember, I wasn't plugged into it that much. I don't remember the pre-movie hype or, or if there was controversy around it. I know Kristen Stewart had a bit of a, of a you know, post-Twilight people didn't like, in certain areas didn't like her because of that, that set of movies. Um, I don't remember there being a big backlash to that movie. Now, I don't remember, it's funny because that movie to me is was a, was a dark and gritty take right on the story, which is kind of like the thing that was going on at that time versus the, you know, potentially I've used the word woke, but you know what I mean? The, the more woke version of it that looks like it's coming out now. I don't know. We will see when it comes out. But, um, but I wonder if we looked back, if we would see backlash against uh, the Huntsman movie or if it's the nature of the comments being made by the actress this time around, which seem to be upsetting people versus, um, you know, 
Christian Stewart's, you know, comments or whatever she had said previous to that. Or like we had um, Alice in Wonderland by Tim Burton. That was a complete reinvention, right? People didn't lose their minds over that necessarily. So I, I'm wondering how much of it's specific to what this this actress is saying and how she's saying it. Yeah, and I, you know, that also goes back to the question about um, fan ownership. Um, obviously, the Snow White is a, uh, like Danny was saying, was a, uh, you know, a, a Disney classic. I mean, a lot of families grew up with the story. And even before then, I mean, it's just a, a classic in general. Um, and when they go around changing things and calling it, you know, one thing when it's not really that close to the original you know, source material. Um, I think nowadays people get upset more, more so, I guess, nowadays, because we do have social media. We have everybody's got microphones in their pockets that are able to, uh, you know, say what they want to say uh, to the masses uh, relatively easier than it has been in, in, in forever. Um, you know, are we hearing that more now because of that? Or was it always the same way? Um, I don't remember that much uh, flack from the, the Huntsman movie. Uh, and actually I remember more flack with Kristen Stewart, um, because supposedly she had like cheated on, uh, the boyfriend, what's his name? The sparkly vampire guy. Robert Pattinson. Um, Bat Bat Batman. Batman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember more flack about that than the actual movie, but, uh, that's another that's another podcast. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think the ownership of certain IPs and we see it a lot, obviously, in Star Wars, where when it doesn't go our way, you know, everybody gets bent out of shape. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I kind of have this feeling that I know there there's a there's a popular sentiment out there that's like, oh, well, this just, you know, it doesn't matter that they, they didn't, you know, adapt this, you know, say comic book um, story accurately, or they didn't do this accurately, or, they, or they're changing, you know, Snow White. Snow White's been changed, you know, for centuries type of idea. And I, and I get that. Um, and there's truth to that, right? Because you have to have some growth and, and you want to have some, and each generation kind of reinterprets what it is. Um, but I think for, I mean, as I, as I get older, you know, you, you kind of start find yourself on the on the other side of things, and it's like what you the reason you care about these stories keeping some core integrity or what you consider to be core integrity is because you're trying to transmit that you know to your to your kids to the next generation into pop culture in general, right? I mean, you know, I, I'm going to take Star Wars for example, and I'm going to take I, I don't know just to digress into Luke Skywalker, but I'm going to digress into Luke Skywalker briefly, like. The fandom of Star Wars previous to the sequel trilogy would have said that Luke Skywalker restarted the Jedi Order. In 10 years from now, when I'm old and I'm in, in the, the post-PT fandom is the primary fandom in Star Wars, it'll be Rey. And, and the Luke Skywalker stuff will be you know, not really popular or potentially even known because it's in the EU. So that's the type of thing I think why people get irritated about that or upset about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Um, uh, another thing uh, about this movie is it already had a target on its uh, uh, on itself previously. Uh, yeah. I've already seen lots of comments about uh, how they're going to handle the seven dwarfs, and so anytime that I mean the target was already there, and anytime that something new comes up, there people are already looking. Oh, well, this was said. Uh, you know, let's dissect this and. Uh, it just really adds fuel to the fire. 
Well, and, and my question is, I would like to know the actress's comments happened after that picture came out that started the controversy, right? And people were like, it's Snow White and white skin and red lips and she's not, you know, blah, 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 all that stuff. And I wonder how much of that she heard and primed her responses to the press. Like, I, I, you know what I mean? I didn't, I, I didn't watch the whole, all the clips of everything, but you wonder how much she's also being set up to say these things or led into saying things. And then she's also upset about what the movies, you know, what, what people online are saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, but, you know, we also have to remember that, uh, you know, a while ago we did an episode on on movies. Uh, are they art or product? But, uh, you know, with big, uh, big ticket items like this, I mean, I think for the most part, movies, especially blockbuster movies, are more product than art. Um, but, um, maybe Andrew's got, uh, something to say. Let's, uh, let's check in with Andrew. Hey guys, how's it going? It's going good. How you doing? I'm doing well. So I never saw the, uh, Huntsman Snow White movies. Um, but it does seem like a lot of these live action, like Disney live action movies, seems like it's more about making money. Than making like something good, yeah, absolutely. Hence my, you know, hence my 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 question a while back ago with, uh, you know, our movies art or, or, or product, and I think okay. you know, especially with the Disney remakes with the live actions. I mean, you know, now they're they're starting to remake the remakes, and it's like, geez, when is it going to stop? And I know yeah. fans are pretty fickle. You know, they ask for something new and then they get something new and they're like, what is this crap? So it's, you know, as, as a company, I can kind of understand like, uh, you know, we have a very thin edge to walk on. You know, what do we do? Do we go this way? Do we go that way? And it's hard. Um, but I think at the day, you know, companies really have to realize that um, I'm going to go back to Star Wars because I'm very intimately connected to Star Wars, to that franchise. The the notion of changing Star Wars to any extreme degree is I, I feel is is hurtful at this moment in time, because if you take a look at a lot of uh, YouTubers that are Star Wars heavy, you're going to notice a lot of stuff behind them and they are all star wars collectibles and toys and figures and stuff that they have purchased throughout the years and i'm including myself in that and um you know we grew up with this franchise we were able to spend our hard-earned money on this franchise and you know there's a reason why we do have an aspect of, of of ownership in the franchise and i'm not saying that's right or wrong in any particular way but, you know, we because we bought into this franchise, yes, we we built it. Um, there's a reason why George Lucas kept the licensing rights to products for this franchise, because that's how he made his money. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that we are owed anything by any stretch of the imagination, but I think we are we are owed at least a good product. And yeah. I think um, I think companies have to step away from what boxes shall we check to appease the masses, because I think the safest bet is to check the box that says quality first and foremost. 
and and piggybacking off that, if I can, um, the movie industry and the comic industry are, are the only two industries that can tell the consumer to screw off. And I, I just honestly don't understand how that's possible. Like if I walked into Wendy's and ordered a hamburger and they said, no, you don't need a hamburger. Here's a fish sandwich fatty. <laughs> and like, here's, a, here's a salad, and like, bro. And like pushed me out the door and I was like, but that's not what I wanted. And they were like, well, that's what you're getting. Don't be entitled. And like shove me out the door. And I, mean, I can I wouldn't go back to that one. I completely see your analogy, but then again, are any of us walking up to Warner Brothers saying, "Yes, I'd like to place an order for this, this, and that"? And if if we well, it's kind something- of like in the sense that it, it, that you know, when they remade when they did the Star Wars sequel trilogy, what did the fans want? Han, Leia, Luke. All together in one shot. It was very simple. That would have mm-hmm. that would have that would have saved a lot of time and a lot of a lot of headache. And it's almost like J.J. Abrams was like, "Hmm, no." Do you know? Do you know? My my issue has always been, and I always say <laughs> that you know, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Hit him where it hurts. You know the pocketbook. And then you see so many people say, oh, the writing sucks. Oh, the direction sucks. And my response to every single time is, all right, show us how it's done. Go on up to Hollywood and get you a job. Yeah, but you know what? I I understand that sentiment, but, you know, 99.87346% of the population that say this sucks can never go out to Hollywood and, and, and change it. So, I mean, we all have our opinions. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the biggest thing to do is to back up our opinions with level-headed criticism. Right. Not, yeah. yeah. Not right. And, red and, on thumbnails. and also, hit them where it hurts. Their pocketbooks. Stop and, spending your money on it. And I came in late on the conversation, but Disney needs to send, like, you know, Agent Cobra Bubbles or someone over to tell that girl that plays Snow White to shut the yeah. hell up. Yeah, um, like you know, someone needs to sit her down and be like, "You've been in two movies, neither of which made money: Shazam Two and West Side Story. You have no clout. Sit down and just shut up." Yeah, I'm surprised her agent, her agent, isn't telling her like, "Look, you know, you you can think those things, but you need to be selling the movie and yourself by extension, right? And and you can't alienate." You can't alienate the the audience or or the online adjacent audience uh, within geekdom slash Disney whatever you know sphere of influence. Well, and it, it, it's one thing to say something about like the newer movies like Lilo and Stitch and stuff like that, and and people don't defend those as fervently. But when you get into the princesses. Those fans are crazy, and they're not going to go see your movie. And that's who you want to go see your movie. Um, and if, if you lose them, your movie's going to bomb. And it's like this girl is going out of her way to drop a, a nuclear weapon on the fandom that they're trying to get in the door. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to look very far. Look at Bridgerton or some of these shows that that to, to see that – you know, women in Jebusay in general, women, um, they like love stories still, right? It's not it's not a it's not a passe thing. I mean I'm offended. those shows are 
popular, <laughs> you know. My wife just watched Bridgerton, and she just she loves it. You know what I mean? And and I I watched uh, part of it. I didn't watch the whole thing with her, but I watched part of it, and I I think it's fine too. It's 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 a good show, you know. And um and I think everybody. They're, they're, rom-coms don't like exist anymore so where are you where are you going to get that in movies and if they strip it out of princess movies to some extent it that's that's worse you know yeah, and they already got rid of the dwarves and made it like snow white and the seven people she ran into at whole foods and that really <laughs> really really ticks me off that really ticks me off because it, for two reasons one it's like saying Oh no, let's hide the disabled. They make us feel bad. Or two, it's, you know, there are actual little people who are actors and need jobs. And because they keep doing things like this, those little people actors can't get work because they're too busy hiding the disabled from everybody because it makes them uncomfortable. I don't understand, I don't understand how it's too sensitive to cast a, a, a little person as a dwarf. As a little person, I know. <laughs> I have, I'm a dwarf, technically. I have a form of dwarfism. And it's, it's, oh, God. But I don't... I don't quite understand how Disney looked at all the properties they have and said Snow White in this climate, Snow White, which is specifically a white woman, right? The, the, the original story calls out the alabaster skin uh, and, you know, in the popular version deals with dwarves, right? That, that, that is something we want to tackle and change. Like, I would think you're just walking into a whole mess right there. They, that first conversation of it should conversation should have been how are we going to handle that and what does that look like and i don't know that they calibrated that correctly and furthermore they said the battle is um fairest of them all is it gonna go towards beauty it's gonna be who's the most just and the most true and that's already a huge plot hole for me because um uh one character is uh how do i put this the evil queen so I think there's going to be a line after Snow White of people she's going to need to kill to get to the point where she wants to get. Like she's going to need to commit like mass genocide. <laughs> yeah, I man. I can, listen. I listen. I can understand. I understand that the the idea that we are taking a ruling class and we're taking the evil, you know, queen and the princess and we're using beauty as a as a sort of stand in for justice in a general sense i i can i can understand that idea right if you would embed in sort of the physicality of what you're trying to explain as far as like the ruling of a nation but i think that's also way beyond maybe what the original story is even about you know what i mean yeah yeah it's interesting you know getting back to what you guys were saying i'll retrack um there are certain concepts in storytelling especially filmmaking that uh, are timeless and you know obviously romance is one adventure is another i think these are all aspects of of movies that nerds like that are front and center and i think they always will be um you know hopefully you know that studios kind of uh, remember the fact that you know, we all go to movies as escapism for the most part. We like adventures. We like romances. We like, uh, you know, things that uh, we are not exposed to on a regular basis in real life. 
Um, but I think, you know, with the Snow White and a lot of things that a lot of IPs that are supposedly being updated for modern audiences, it's interesting to me uh, seeing the reaction of, uh, you know, uh, Latinos, you know, superhero in Blue Beetle and 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 an Asian superhero in, you know, the the, the rings of what's his name and all that Shang, stuff. Shang-Chi. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, to me it's interesting because, you know, growing up, and I'm I'm Latino, I'm Mexican. I grew up uh, in Chicago, and I never had a need to see brown people on screen to be able to relate to certain characters in the nerd, uh, you know, IPs and in, in either Star Wars or Marvel comics, all the comic books that I collected. It, it wasn't a thing that it's like, oh, I can't relate to these people because they're not brown. Um, I related to Peter Parker because of his character. I related to him because he was a high school photographer and so was I. I was also <laughs> bit, bit by a radioactive spider and also have the powers of a spider, but that's another story. But it's it's interesting to me to see all these reactions of, of modern audiences saying, I need to see myself up on screen because... I don't know what that says. I've got my own personal uh, takes on what it says about the people that might need to see that up on screen. But I, I, it was never me. Well, I felt I never felt like as you know, I grew up disabled. I grew up in a children's hospital and, you know, sci-fi and comic books, all that stuff really helped me pass the time. And I never really felt like. I mean, at least not then, like, gee, I really need to see a cripple on screen so I feel better about myself. I I never felt like I felt that way until I watched um, when Hawkeye came out. Was it last year it came out or the year before? Anyway, when Echo as a little girl is talking to her dad and her dad tells her because, you know, she's disabled, she's missing her lower right leg like I am and and she is deaf as well I clearly am not anywho um they're having this very in-depth emotional chat about it and he tells her that she is of two worlds you know the able-bodied and the disabled and she's going to have to learn to jump between these two worlds never truly belonging to one or the other and before I knew it, I mean, my eyes were just leaking tears, like almost, you know, un- involuntarily. And it hit me that that was the first time in my entire life that I had heard that emotion that I'd always had, the way I felt about myself, that I'd ever heard it put into words and even though that this this character this person on screen was completely fictitious and not real and I can't have an actual conversation with them it was like somebody got it somebody somebody gets that somebody understands and that was the first time I ever really felt represented and what that representation actually meant So, whereas I never really felt like I needed to see another disabled person on screen, I can definitely tell you the times I did not need to see another disabled on screen with their crappy tokenism of it, but I can get 
how that would make someone feel to, to see themselves truly represented in, in a, in a pure way. A lot of the stuff these days is extremely superficial and it's very tokenized. They're just doing it for the sake of it. But when it's actually done and thought is put into it, it's a very powerful thing. But I'll just reiterate, like I said, for the most part these days, it's very superficial and they're doing it because it's somehow the in vogue thing to do. And they think, like Rose said, we check these boxes, that's money. I mean, I I agree with that. Um, And uh, I think a lot of it, like you said, is superficial, you know, like. If if I was a minority, which, which which I am not, but if I was, I I don't I can't speak for anybody, but I would feel somewhat insulted if like DC was like, you know what, we need a uh, we need a black superhero. All right, just um, which characters turn it to make the flash? Right, and they absolutely like, should be people should be insulted because what they are doing when they take a classic character and they change the race or the sex of that character to a different one it's it's a it's a leftover it's a hand me down and they're saying that that like first race or gender yeah didn't matter enough and then the new race or gender they're changing it to isn't strong enough or interesting enough to carry their own unique original character it's absolutely insulting <laughs> You know, Marvel Comics is is pretty old. It goes way back. And I think um, there are enough versatile characters in the Marvel Comics universe, not the cinematic universe yet. And I know, you know, we, we've had we've had a lot, but there are plenty of characters to draw on when it comes to the versatility of people, the versatility of characters. And I want to go back to something that Danny was saying, because I'm not discounting the fact that people do want to see their own, um, you know, heritage or whatever on screen, because as much as I didn't need it when I was younger, I remember when I bought my first Spider-Man 2099 comic book, I'm like, Oh damn, Spider-Man is half Mexican. That's fucking awesome. And I remember when Diego Luna was announced to be in, in Rogue One and he got on screen, I'm like, damn, a Mexican Star Wars character? That's fucking cool. So I can totally understand the emotionality that goes along with feeling these things. I'm just saying that for me as a young person, I didn't, it wasn't like front and center and I didn't need to see a Mexican up on screen to be able to relate to that character. But I can totally understand the magic and the emotion that goes behind having seen that. So that that's all <laughs> I, I have a I have a lot of thoughts about this and, and I'm kind of all over the place on it as a as a white guy I'm obviously the the quote unquote majority right and I think at growing up um, I didn't recognize a lot of whether it was representation representation or not because there was a lot of white men on screen right um, going back and watching Dirty Harry for example I mean it's almost it, it's you get you cringe a little bit as a white guy you're like oh man like this is really not 
everybody everybody who isn't white except for his partner is basically like a scumbag right i mean that's what it is a criminal a villain whatever it is and there are white villains as well but you look at that and you kind of go that, that doesn't seem very good um i think two things i think that in science science fiction and fantasy specifically genres that are i think primed to help um cross race uh representation in the sense that it abstracts it from the culture that it's in right you you can you have geordie on the next generation and you know it, it, there's an abstraction layer there that gets past people's uh, defensive filters when it comes to culture or or race or anything like that and i think fantasy and sci-fi are great at that um the other thing i would say is i don't know if any everybody saw what was going around twitter um a couple weeks ago with the uh and i don't know the football team but it was a a, a black uh, athlete and it was a little white boy who had like his hair was all kind of done up in in i don't know if they were dreads or not but whatever and he had like the exact same sunglasses and it was at some camp or whatever and the, the boy ran up and they got pictures and I don't know, you know, Twitter, somebody said something about it and said it was cultural appropriation or blah, 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 or something like that. But it's obviously just a white boy idolizing, you know, this black athlete. And in my sense is that if you want to overcome racism, you know, in, in America, I think having white boys and girls look up to non-white boys and girls as mentors uh, is like one of the prime ways you can get there right generationally Absolutely. and i yeah and i just thought that that was awful what twitter <laughs> twitter's awful but well, um, what, what they did but what, social media what all these people who say stuff like that what they're missing is um as i'm one of my descendancies one of my many is you know i'm very celtic and scandinavian and my, you are a mutt I am a mutt. I'm a Heinz 57 mutt. Um, my Irish and Scandinavian ancestors had dreads. Did we call them dreads? No. We call them fairy locks. <laughs> that That's something that white people have done. It's white people with very curly hair have done because it was just easier to take care of. Uh, that's neither here nor, nor there. But I completely agree with you that having majority white children you know, look up to people of any minority, be it uh, physical capability, race, what have you, is is the only way that you can get past this by, by showing that there is no one who is inferior to another, period. Just how they came out of the womb. <laughs> that they're, they're, mm-hmm. I think otherwise. And I, and I think I think sci-fi helps that because you look at Lando Calrissian or like I said Jordy because you you can be a fan and I think this, and and I think that the athletic piece also helps abstract it a little bit but you're looking at these characters as characters not as their race because they they're not they're not contextualized and I'll, I'll use um I'll use Black Panther as a as a counterexample slightly even though it's in a fictional land like I think that the challenge there potentially for for white people some white people is that it that's very rooted in in colonialism and American slavery. And, and, and it brings up so much that it, it gets difficult sometimes to, to see past it or to get through it or whatever it is to make a connection to it in the way that like a pure science fiction or fantasy, you know, out in space does. Right. Right. And you brought up an absolutely 
perfect example a few minutes ago with Jordy LaForge. <clears throat> I was always, I mean, like I said earlier, with the issues I had as a child, the things that got me through it were sci-fi and comic books and fantasy. And one of my favorites as a small child was Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, yeah. And I remember telling the nurses in the hospital, you know, Jordy's my favorite. I love Jordy. And they were like, oh, that makes sense, doesn't it? And I would look at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why does it make sense? <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't click to me that technically he's disabled. He's disabled. He's I, blind. Can he can't I, can see. I, and he uses <laughs> an apparatus to... Can I, can I be honest with you? Can I be honest with you? I didn't think of Jordy as disabled until like three minutes ago. As you were talking, I was like, I know where this is going. Jordy's disabled. I was like, I could never thought of it. Exactly. They do it so well that you don't even consider him disabled. And if you want to take it a step further, that's how society should see people. That is how yep. everyone should be seen. We shouldn't be seen by the things that separate us, but that which brings us together. But I think that's where social media has set us back because I grew up in the, uh, I was born in 84. So I grew up in the 80s and 90s. <clears throat> and, you know, my group of friends, I grew up in the New York metropolitan area. And I'm we sorry. Were, we were, yeah, we were diverse on its own, but it wasn't like we set out to be diverse. There were white, we were like we hung out, and if you were cool, you were cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Puerto Rican uh, friends, Jewish friends, white people, like it was just, it, we were like, it was like we all played together. And if you were in a wheelchair, we'd play with you. If you were not in a wheelchair, we'd play with you. And mm-hmm. but like what happened with social media is it allowed people to search for problems well and, and then it would be like you need this person to be your friend and then you need this person to be your friend i do agree you- with that um however um it's not it really depends and i'm coming from personal experience as a disabled child in the 80s and 90s um it wasn't just social media that it did kind of expand on the problem But the main problem is parents. If you have shitty, hateful parents, you're going to have shitty, hateful kids. Oh, I'm not saying bad people didn't exist. They definitely did. Um, You had great parents in your neighborhood. That's wonderful. (laughs) There's so so many uh, white dudes in this chat today. Just wanted to point that out. But uh, <laughs> are, we the, are we the majority? Are we the majority? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Geek News Now really has a point. I mean, science fiction really does a fantastic job of kind of, you know, mixing everything. On. And um, I mean, you know, just, you know, you guys can talk about the next generation. You can even go back. And there was an Asian driving the Enterprise back in the 60s. There was a yeah. an American and woman. And aren't you guys supposed to be terrible drivers? Exactly. <laughs> I, 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 could, I couldn't make that joke. I was thinking of that joke. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, you're absolutely right. I think that's one of the reasons sci-fi is so interesting and so cool and so unique as a, as a, as a genre. Because you are able to kind of dissect society's ills by telling a story in that genre and obviously you know authors like gene roddenberry have done it um authors like you know it's it's it's, it's authors great... like me did it 
Oh, I'm sorry. It's not about you, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Well, well and I, I think a lot of the problem with the storytelling now and, and Stan Lee before he died hit the nail on the head. Um, when he said, you know, the social issues that we tackled were always in the comics and, you know, we had socio-political issues and all that stuff, but it was in the back and it was left for the reader to interpret. We didn't beat the reader over the head with it. Right. And, and, and a good job at hiding it. I mean, you know, look, look at the story of the mutants, uh, the X-Men. Oh, yeah. That's perf a perfect example of you know segregation and uh, you know all that stuff. So and when when Victoria Alonso, you know the former head of VFX for for Marvel, was like, you know, I think X Men is sexist and uh, we should change it to X People. And she said it wasn't woke yeah. enough. And I was like, Are you serious? Have you even read an X Men comic book? Right. Yeah. <laughs> She's also the person who changed Namor to Namor and took him from Atlantis and made him Mayan, which I have nothing against the Mayan. He's not Mayan, he's Aztec. Just oh, he's Aztec. Do that, did the Aztec have anything to do with water? Yes. I did not know. I, I, I wasn't, I'm not familiar with this. They history. actually had um, – they would make man-made islands to uh, garden, basically. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but it's like, why did you have to change it to no more? <laughs> that's a that's a that's a children's hospital out uh, near Philadelphia, Wilmington area, where I am. <laughs> no more children's hospital, children's hospital. Yeah. So now, I'm, now, I'm, get, now I'm now I'm going to think of now I'm going to think of Namor every time. Can I can I take it? Can I take it back real quick to um, uh, one of the original comments was around quality of no. story of storytelling. Oh, I, just, I just want to say no, this you because missed your chance. I, I did. I missed it. It's gone. Ah. Well, I wanted to. I, I wanted to say that you know, uh, listen. I'm all the time trying to understand whether or not. I'm standing on firm ground with my thinking or if I'm being affected by social media, the things that the algorithm's feeding me and all this other stuff. Cause you know, just you know, everybody's susceptible being to being sort of brainwashed, if you will. Um, and I thought for a while, I was like, am I just really being a, becoming a grumpy star Wars fan? Like, I just don't think some of this stuff is very good. And then Andor we're came all, out. We're all grumpy Star Wars fans. I, I know. And then Andor came out, and I was like, no, no, no. I, I know what it is. It's it's whatever they're making is not the type of is not the type of quality that I'm looking for, right? Or or, or isn't it? Maybe quality is a strong word, uh, but it isn't isn't <laughs> is it, is it in the format I'm looking for? I don't know. It's hard. See, I don't want to I don't want to get down on people that love the animated stuff and love the Clone Wars and love Rebels and love Mandalorian because it is in the same vein of kinetic storytelling as those things. But like, I, I you know, I, I really struggled with, with Mando and Kenobi and uh, Book of Boba Fett and all that stuff yeah. Um, yeah, to okay. some extent. Yeah. I mean, to, to greater or lesser extent, depending on what episode and what was going on, but like Andor showed me that Star Wars can, can have the, the um, quality storytelling and, and also diverge from what Lucas from Lucas is like, everyone says, Oh, Lucas is, you can't go away from Lucas's vision and everything, but Andor kind of does. I mean, it starts to look at the gray and the rebellion that Lucas wasn't, you know, that story's about good and evil, the archetypes and, 
you know, myths and all this stuff. And, and this is a much more gray, granulated look at what happens. And it's done well. And I think the fans generally accepted it, even though it kind of tilts away a little bit from what Lucas had. Well, yeah, what I'll do, what I think I'll, one of the things that I've said on the podcast before, especially after watching Andor, I said after watching Andor, it's going to be very difficult for me to go back to regular Star Wars. They've showed us that there can be a, a an element of quality in the writing and in the, the, the production value that going back to regular Star Wars, we, we went back to regular Star Wars with Mando season three. Um, it was Ouch. difficult for me. Yeah. It was very difficult for. <clears throat> I look at uh, Picard season three. Oh yeah, I mean that's an excellent example mm-hmm. of being able to continue revive and even improve upon a beloved franchise. It is possible. Yeah, it's funny. I felt like season three of Picard did all three things in the sense that. It, it, it improved upon, it did bad fan service, good fan service, and also did a couple things that I think fans would have been much more upset about had the rest of it not been great, right? Like, I, I think there are pieces of it where you're like, oh, they fell into the trap of the quote-unquote new Trek or whatever. I'm not a Trekkie necessarily, but new Trek or whatever it's called. And so I think it did all those things. But overall, it was such a good quality show and hit enough of the right marks that people were like, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, my my um, take on Star Wars right now <clears throat> is that, um, and if anyone here is a, a fan of cars, they'll get my analogy. My all-time favorite automobile brand is uh, Oldsmobile. My dream car is a 442 if I could ever win uh, the lottery. And GM treated that brand so poorly after they were the top seller for so long that the brand just slowly declined. And they tried to make a comeback. And had a couple of really good cars in the late 90s, and it couldn't save the brand, and the brand just folded. And I I kind of see that as how what Disney has treated Star Wars. They have just battered the brand around, and now you have Andor, which is great. I love Andor. Mandalorian, which season three was kind of hit and miss, but the first two seasons were, were, were awesome. Um, I'm a huge fan of Ahsoka, so I'm looking forward to that. Same. But is the quality of these shows, and if these shows are great, will it be enough to save the Star Wars brand after what Disney has put it through? And I I honestly do not know. Um, I don't know if they'll be good enough to to buoy the brand. You know, I, I hear a lot of talk about that. I do. And I hear a lot of people talking about how comic book movies are going the way of old spaghetti westerns etc but here's the thing oh you read my article (laughs) (laughs) this uh it's a concept it's an idea and i don't think it's ever going to go away it has its hills and valleys in you know popularity and box office dollar signs but it's always there it's never going to go away you know, it's just. Will it be what it was? It'll be something different. Yeah, it'll be something different. Before oh, we, yeah. uh, um, I wanted to give Andrew an opportunity because I see his mic going on and off, on and off, and I know he wants to jump in. Um, Andrew. Yeah. Well, so kind of talking about the uh, quality of Star Wars is um, 
they have they've had kind of in the Disney era, they've had a lot of ups and downs. You know, like Force Awakens really good, Last Jedi, not so much. You know, and Solo and Rogue One were pretty good. Rise of Skywalker was not. Yeah. You know, and think to and I know Iger made comments about this. They gotta kind of take a step back and find their footing, you know, on what works and stick with that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the problem they're having, isn't it? Well, yeah. I think I think the big problem, and and you're right, Andrew. Um, the big problem is that Disney owns all of this IP, and I don't think they know how to handle all of it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That's and it. you have like with with Marvel up to Phase Three, Marvel was great. But Kevin Feige didn't like Ike Perlmutter, so they fired Ike Perlmutter, but Ike Perlmutter knew what he was doing. So now you have whatever Marvel is now, and it's like you watch half the stuff, and it's like you're like Norm MacDonald. You're like, what the hell did I just watch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, so, I mean, you're, you know, so, I, and I think it's just Disney needs to streamline. I think they need to fold everything into three banners like they did back then. They had Miramax, Touchstone, and Disney. And they need to just fold it all in. Three studio heads. No one else has a say. And, and they, need to get, they need to get back on track. Disney. Can I? What can I? I? I Shit's Creek joke. Fold in the Disney. Yeah. Can I? Can I make? Can I make a maybe controversial statement? Please. I actually, I actually think that I'm going to blame George Lucas a little bit <laughs> for the state of you Star should. Wars. And you and should. I say that as an original trilogy fan who is lukewarm on the prequels, um, uh, but stuck with the fandom. And I say that in the sense that we Star Wars finds itself, and I'm going to tie this back into our conversation about love and romance as well. If you notice the sequel trilogy, yeah. I, I, my all my Raylo friends, I love them, but like really there was no romance. Or love story in the sequels, not a true one, not one that they meant. I think, um, and Creepy and one. if you could be said that they meant anything in this in the sequel trilogy, but anyway, um, but I, I think that there's a problem in the sense that Lucas made the Jedi so narrow in their their narrative sort of uh, flexibility. Right. So what can you do? You can only have if a Jedi is angry, they're going to be tempted to the dark side. If they love people, they're going to be tempted to the dark side. They're going to like it's, it's so narrow. And so what do you do with that? Right. How, how do you because Jedi are what Star Wars is. I know that everyone, you know, thinks you can go do other things, but and you can around the Jedi, around the concept of a lightsaber. Right. You can do things, but you can't jettison those ideas. Even Mandalorian couldn't do it. They, they had one episode where Mandalorian was a spaghetti Western gunslinger, and then all of a sudden he finds a Jedi, right? Like, so we're right back into it. And so now we have this narrow Jedi kind of concept. And then Filoni and, and, and John layer on Mandalorian's occult, which also is narrow. And we can't take your helmet off. It can't, whatever. I just, Star Wars, the original trilogy is about normal people, right? Normal people with normal emotions, doing normal things, fighting against evil. The evil people were the abnormal people. Now the heroes are the abnormal people. They're they're weird, right? They're like they have to believe in cultish things. They have to whatever. Like I, that to me is a problem. 
that they have to figure out how to make characters people want to see and see themselves. And speaking about seeing yourself in, in people, I don't see myself in a Luke Skywalker that doesn't talk to his sister, that rejects his family from the original trilogy, that pulls a weapon on his on his on his nephew, right? Because because he's scared. Like I, I, that's that's my issue with it. Sorry, and part of that's George Lucas. <laughs> All right, I'm going to mute everybody and say oh. thank you to everybody who is uh, who had joined us today. And, you know, that is an interesting thought. It's a topic that actually I've been wanting to get into, the misunderstanding of the Jedi Code. I think uh, the whole attachment is forbidden situation is a, a little odd. But I, I, I'm going to actually blame a little bit of that on the fans for conflating that concept and uh, taking it to maybe a place where George Lucas didn't intend it to be. Um, I think, uh, you know, Anakin for a while there says that uh, he, he was telling Padme that uh, some, in some cases we are encouraged to love. And I think that is a very interesting place to take that concept of attachment is forbidden. Um, is it really or is it uh, something that we have interpreted throughout the years? But um, please, uh, you know, uh, if, if I have another one of these, I love kind of getting deep into the, uh, the weeds here with uh, Geek Topics. Thank you, everybody, for joining me today, this afternoon. It has been a lot of fun. For the latecomers, um, thank you for, for finding us. And uh, for, for those of you guys that spoke with me and spoke with the group, uh, I appreciate the, uh, the comments, the content, the, uh, the discussion as nerds. Um, and again, once again, just uh, you know, keep on uh, discussing on Twitter. Uh, you know, if you guys don't listen to the show, I encourage you guys to kind of uh, check out the Scarif podcast. Uh, along with the rest of the Red 5 network. We can all be found at bio.link slash red5, the number 5. And uh, you'll find a podcast there that uh, will be able to wet your whistle and, and, and contribute. Thank you again, everybody, for this afternoon. This has been a very exhilarating talk. Please feel free to reach out to me if you guys have any other topics, any other discussion uh, points that you guys want to make. Uh, I'm always looking to collaborate, always looking to have people on the show to talk about nerd stuff here at the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Until next time, this is Ro, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Just wanted to remind you all, we can be found wherever you find your other favorite shows. iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Podchaser, Backtracks FM, Podtail, Owltail, Google Podcast, and of course, our own Red5Network.com to name a few. And don't forget to drop us a voicemail at 773-234-8659, our Scuttlebutt hotline. We want to hear what's on your mind. Your call is very important to us. Let us know what you think of the show, what future topics we should tackle, or just to say, hello there. Please hold.